Inside the Healing Room with Evangeline Hemrick. Thanks so much for being here, friends. This is a special, fun episode today. What a surprise. My lovely friend, Carrie Hamilton from XO Wellness is going to interview me today. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi, Carrie. Hi, thank you for letting me switch gears on you a bit. This is something I've wanted to do for a while with you. And I thought what a cool way for your peeps who don't know you as intimately as I do to get to know you a little bit more. How fun. I am so honored and I love being with you no matter what we're doing. So this is great. Awesome. Well, we're just going to jump into it and I'm going to pop around a couple different topics because what um, really inspired me to have some framework to do this with you is the release of your amazing book, True Calling. So I just want to give a shout out and a celebration to that accomplishment because that got published and released while I was overseas. And so this gorgeous book awaited me when I got home. And of course, I'd gotten to be privy to tidbits and parts and pieces of it, but it still is amazing to have something in one's hands and know the person that created it and all of the work that goes into it. So I just celebrate you and the heart and soul and hard work that went into putting words to page and putting it in the world for people to experience. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited about it. It was a long time coming. That book was 24 years in the making and it's got a lot of love in it. That's amazing. So tell me about what was 24 years ago. What what was the beginning of this journey of this particular piece of your life? Well, um it's now been 25. I became a massage therapist um back, back in 1995. And that just opened up the world to me really and began a learning adventure that has never really stopped. And so many people over the years would say to me, like, I want to do what you do. You really seem like you love what you do. And that comes through when somebody is aligned with what their soul came here to do. And that's how that work has felt for me. And it's not just been massage therapy and it's not just been energy healing. It's been a combination and a total learning experience that has spanned over two decades now. And I learn every day. Well, and I think I can imagine it would have been really hard to narrow down to kind of set of context for what this book would be because you have so many different experiences. And so as the title says, true calling the successful hands-on healer, a guidebook for creating a successful therapy business that keeps you strong, healthy, and prosperous. And I loved how you were able to create a useful, as you say, guidebook, but also meditations for people to go through, to get them in touch with that part of themselves, and then sharing parts of your personal story, while also giving people a peek behind into the healing room for basic things like what kind of, you know, heated towel cabinet and what you do with body oils so that it's very practical and aspects that I think people don't always share because people get competitive and think, oh, I don't want to give her my secrets because then they've got to go through the same challenges I went through and no one told me. And you've really given a gift to people to say, hey, 
let me save you from those struggles. Here are some things you might want to know and also how to take care of yourself as this person that's giving to other people and helping to heal people. Was that innate to you or were there lots of really uh, big challenges that stayed with you that helped you want to share this with other people? Yeah, both. I mean, I I feel like I've made every mistake you could possibly make because I've been doing it for so long, but I've been healing myself all along the way. And something that I'm incredibly passionate about is people staying well if they if they choose to go into this career. The attrition rate is so high and the number of massage therapists that are still in practice 5 years after they graduate from massage school is very low. Wow. And there, there are so many reasons for that. And after teaching at various massage schools and sharing my love for this work, what I came to know very well was how self-care is, is missing from a lot of professional healing practices and not just with massage therapists, with nurses, with physical therapists, with occupational therapists, with anyone who is interacting closely and touching other people all day for a living and doing something very strenuous, a good solid foundation of self-care is the only way that you can continue to do this if you love it and do it well and feel good at the same time. That's beautiful because it, it brings another facet of the book that this, this is not your massage therapy practice for dummies. This is not, let me tell you how to get a massage therapy practice going and have success and here's here's what you need although it has that combination of self-care practice and practical like how to take care of self how to take care of business and the challenges you had and i think that's a rare thing to find in this kind of um offering in a book so i just want to thank you for doing such a beautiful job of making it tangible palatable and and easy to get into with some really great, juicy information in there and to gently introduce people to these other concepts around even finding their true calling. And so I wanted to ask you about that title. Were you aware that this was what you were born to do the moment you put your hands on someone? How did, how did this come into your life? I have had a lot of people say to me after receiving my hands-on treatment, um, wow, this is your true calling. I heard that so much that it prompted me to to title the book that because I do think that when you when you find something to do that you can make a living at that isn't in alignment with your soul there's just this there's this different feeling than going to a job that that doesn't fulfill you to make a paycheck it's a it's life takes on a new a new kind of joy because I don't feel like I have a job and I don't feel like I go to work and I haven't for many, many years. Once I learned how to not treat myself like a resource that was going to be depleted and not respect myself and really cultivate the joy of my own purpose-driven business, once I realized how to do that, life changed in some pretty fantastic ways. And I love sharing that. Wow. And if anybody who has had the pleasure of being on your table and experiencing healing with you, you are not the traditional idea of a massage therapist. I'm going to go get some kinks worked out. 
Can you share a bit about what that experience is for you when you put your hands on someone and how it might be different than what you were taught in massage school where versus your actual experience of it? There's some other things going on for you when you work with people. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. And I liken it to, it's my art. It feels, it feels like art. It feels like sacred ceremony. It feels like dance. I'm a dancer originally and and dance was always my first love. It feels like all of those things. It it takes on this sacred ritual component that every time a human being graces me <laughs> by being on my table, I mean, I could just cry thinking about that. It's it's something very very special to me. And it's it's evident through those hands and what you share in a session as well. What was massage school like? What was the first experience for you? Did someone tell you, hey, you should go get into massage? Or how did, how did that begin for you? I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I had taken all college preparatory classes in school. All of my friends were off to college. College wasn't something in my religious upbringing and culture that was allowed, really, at that time. And so I was just lost. I was like, what am I going to do? And I actually came across um, massage therapy while I was helping take care of my grandfather who was dying. And I was up in Ohio the first time that I experienced it as a career, as possibly a career choice. But I had been receiving it as a client since I was 16 years old because I was in a competitive dance troupe. And I, I received body work early and I'm really so thankful for that now because at 16, it probably had already locked into me how much I loved massage. Oh, wow. So how did it become, so, you know, a likely transition could have been that you then became the dancer that was the massage therapist to dancers. There's a whole other facet to your work. How did that aspect of bringing this energy healing, this hands-on healing piece of it come into play? Well, what happened was very interesting. Um, it, it made me remember, I think being in massage school unleashed a part of me that had been kind of dormant, um, some clairvoyant abilities that I had naturally as a child that were there and I didn't really think that much about them, but I don't remember after nine years old seeing as clearly as far as like color around people or color around trees or animals or plants. Um, up until about the age of nine, that was just how I experienced the world. And I didn't know any different than that. I thought everyone did. I thought, you know, everyone would look at somebody and be like, wow, you're really yellow today. <laughs> 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 but slowly over time, and I can only guess as to why, you know, conditioning or things changing in my energy body with experiences that I had or whatever, who knows. But it was in massage school at the age of 21 where I think I probably had like my first meditative stillness encounters where I would just be in that zone. And anyone who does any kind of body arts or, or martial arts, body work, whatever, if you do any of those kind of practices, you know when you get there, when you get to that moving meditation stillness point. 
And so I would just have someone on the table. And then all of a sudden, I would just be being entertained with beautiful color or shapes and patterns all in and around their body. And it would just delight me and intrigue me. And then I would start thinking about it and using another part of my brain and it would stop. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. You bring it up that way because, you know, someone, you had the beautiful gift of having remembered that experience as a child. Whereas if someone hadn't had that, it might've freaked them out and they've gone to the eye doctor to see what's going on. It sounds like you had that wonderment of a child still with you to tap into that. Was that difficult? Was that a challenge to, you mentioned a bit about your upbringing, if you want to share some of about your childhood and what that transition was like to be working with the unseen? Massage therapy was not something that was <laughs> familiar or recommended, you know, in, in the culture that I grew up in, that's for sure. But my mom really advocated for me to to be able to do that because once I started looking into it, I felt that pull. I felt that calling. And finally, something made sense for me, something that I wanted to do. Almost like I found my people. I, I found my world where before that, I never really felt like um, I fit in. And I think there was a lot of um, conditioning that happened to me to to give me these ideas that my gifts and my abilities were not appropriate for me to have. So I had to undo that. And was that a solo journey for you? Or were you able to find teachers and started reading and finding resources that you weren't alone in this? What did that look like at that time? I did. I remember in 1995 uh, being in massage school at Body Therapy Institute down here in North Carolina. And like I said, my mom was instrumental in assisting me to to have that power because I I was really trailblazing to um be like I'm going to do this I'm going to I'm going to do something outside the box here and she she was wonderful to um to help me do that but I remember sitting in the library at lunch and I found Barbara Brennan's book and you know how much I love Barbara Brennan um but her her first book Hands of Light rocked my world and I would sit and cry in the little library <laughs> at massage school because she had all these images and diagrams and charts and, and it was pictures of what I could see. And oh I just gosh. thought, yeah, she was like saying that this stuff actually meant something. And it wasn't just like things in my head that, that I could see and it had meaning and it had purpose. And even more importantly than that, there was a way to help people with that information. That's incredible because Barbara Brennan does have a beautiful way, having come from a science background, to really help validate those of us that may have not grown up with being told this kind of stuff is okay or normal. It's not neither one of us necessarily grew up in San Francisco or more of a, a hippie sixties style open community where, you know, seeing spirits and colors was the norm. And so to find someone in that way through a book to say, yeah, this is legit. This is not just made up in your mind and this has purpose. That must've been, I can imagine those tears in that library for you. Yeah. And it really encourages me and inspires me to do the same for who needs to hear that information and to know that they're not alone. And those are the kind of books that my heart yearns to make where I had to start 
with what I know the best. So I had to, this first book for me was, all right, let me get down all the, all the things that I wish I knew before I started a career in the healing arts. And then from there, I can get more in depth with the things that I really want to share that have been the beautiful, mind-blowing experiences over the last 25 years. Wow. Cause that you are definitely, I know you through being my teacher first before I got to be friends with you and you have an amazing ability to teach. Was that, did you always feel clear about your path once you had that moment of understanding what was going on for you? How did that lead into teaching? Hmm. Um, I think it was a, yeah, I think it was a gradual progression. I didn't start teaching about energy healing until probably like the early 2000s. after I opened my first spa. And what I found was my first day spa, that whole experience, I opened two locations and I was working like crazy and I had 16 employees. And I was just, I remember the day that I was like, this is not what I came here to do. This is not bringing me joy. This is like a grind, you know? And I was so driven and I was so motivated. But at the end of the day, no matter how big the spa's got how much I expanded and oh fancy fancy and all that it was it just was not making me happy and my my heart's desire was to share information about our anatomy our human energy field that is not woo woo that is not mystical it's not out there at all it's the most human down to earth thing there could possibly be and it's just not understood yet and my passion was sharing that that's a great way to say it because I, you know, homeopathy that I practice and offer is also something that I feel like someday there will be the technology to show it and define it and show you exactly what's happening. But right now it's still in that energetic realm that doing a double blind scientific study is not the easiest thing to do. And I, I love that how you differentiate. That doesn't necessarily mean it's just woo and it's in our minds. Just because we can't fully understand it yet and see it yet doesn't mean it's it's outside the realm of the possible of reality. Not at all. And I'm such a skeptic by nature. And that's what a lot of people would not expect about me at this point, you know, just because of what I'm into. But I'm only into these things because I've proven them to myself through so much direct experience. And it's useful. It's useful practical information, not even just for healers, but for before you go in a boardroom or before you negotiate a contract or having an interaction with your child or your spouse to know and understand how you're using your energy and how to be effective is one of the most basic human (laughs) knowledge and understanding. I think like, wow, everybody needs that. Is there anything that comes to mind of an example that you could share? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot with that, but anything just as simple as something people listening could think about before they go into that meeting or go to sign that contract or interact with their child if they've had a rough day? Totally. You know, you were asking me about my teaching and 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 how I do that, but teaching, speaking, performing, if someone can just adjust their energy field to the group and know that before going in for any if you're going to if you're going to have a big presentation or if you're going to give a sermon in church or whatever some people innately do it and that's 
that's the speakers and performers that really impact and touch people because they know they know how to do that naturally. But you can also use your intent and connect in with your own energetic field. And the more you know what your own energy is doing, the more you can shapeshift it to meet the needs of any given situation. If, it, if your energy field needs to be bigger or if you need to pull it in and make it smaller, you have this incredibly sophisticated tool that most of us are just walking around not even knowing that we have it to work with it. That's so great. Yeah. Like that visualization of pulling it in or expanding it. I had someone recently ask me about talking to them about being grounded and they said, well, I I know that word, but really what do you mean by how, how can I be grounded? How can I be more in my body? And And it just reminded me like there's so many different terms that are more thrown around or shared because more people are in touch with it. But for me, I found, oh yeah, remember to take them back and share that visualization of like with grounding to be a tree and extend those roots down. And it was amazing how that connection to the visual of something tangible that they knew could help them understand this concept that was kind of in thought. Yeah, it's so cool. And I wouldn't have been able to grasp any of that when I was so ungrounded and so out of my body, but I didn't even know it for like most, well, all of my 20s, I would say. That's a piece of my story that I look forward to sharing too about my my healing journey of learning how to be really in my body and be safe in my body and how I healed tons of chronic conditions and diseases uh, in my reproductive area because I wasn't even all all the way down in to my pelvis and in my legs and my feet. I didn't know how to do that energetically at that point in my life. What useful information is that? That absolutely. I look forward to whenever you share that in whatever form you're ready to be it waiting for the book or in short form because it's interesting you bring it up in that way because that same person said to me, well, why do I have to be in my body? You know, it feels good out here. And I shared with her the importance of that her organs and her being needs the physical self to be in there. Do you want to speak to that at all about what it means to be in the body or not in the body and why we might do that and the benefit of being in that body? Yeah. If, if anyone has ever had an experience with um, a house that is not being inhabited. Houses break down quicker when no one's in them. They just do. Like even if you're going by and maintaining them and our house that houses our energy is no different. And just learning how to be in right relationship with the organs and the, the safety aspect. I think that that's so true. That's definitely the way I was all the way through my twenties. I did not feel safe to fully reside in my body. I was better off being like up in the ethers and kind of floaty. And that made me really flaky. And um, you know how people use that word like ungrounded for somebody that's just kind of not really all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was definitely me. And um, learning that and learning how to go through the discomfort of learning how to be in my body (laughs) instead of almost like an escapism pattern that was my default setting. I mean, I didn't even know that I did it, but I could just energetically check out and not be present. And usually when that happens to someone, 
that is their default setting. That's just their natural way of being. And they're usually going to have a lot of health problems and a lot of financial problems because they're not all the way here. Wow. Wow. And you'd think of, like you said, some of us that are walking around having no idea that that's the source of it and thinking that it's outside of us, that it's our environment and blaming our environment and blaming our job or our partner or whatever it might be when actuality, a slight shift could change all of that that's within us that (laughs) with intention and thought and a little bit of knowledge could change it all. Definitely. And it takes bravery and courage. I, I see that all the time with clients, the clients who are brave enough to learn how to be with themselves. That takes a lot. It's, it's work. And can you share a bit about what a session like you is with? What, 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 what a session is like to come into your healing room and what someone might experience and also what you're experiencing, because you may not nece- necessarily share it. You, you are seeing it and feeling it and then doing your part to help the person. Can you give us a little peek into that if we haven't had the honor of being in your space? Yeah. And I do, I do less of that now. And I do work with people that I've worked with a lot. And so it's a lot more open at this point because the people working with me are very familiar with what I do. So that's changed over the years from having to discern what someone is ready for that you might intuit about their experience or their body. So I really do enjoy that. I enjoy the openness and the freedom that I experience with the regular clients that I still work with since I don't take new clients anymore. But to give you kind of an example of how it works for me, there's a lot of information that will flood into me as soon as my hands go on a person. But I'm going to find out from them initially, what is their primary goal? Like if they're having a certain area of their body that they they want relief from pain, or if they need to calm down and get out of fight or flight and we need to address their nervous system, if they just need to be nurtured because they're exhausted or If they're well-rested and they want to do some work, they want to do some deep work, that's going to take my session in a lot of different directions, regardless of what I might feel and intuit when my hands start to work. But what I like to do is have someone who can be flexible with me about what level of their being that we work on. Since we're so holographic and multifaceted and there's all these different levels that you could address in one session. It's, it's like worlds within worlds. I always say it's like the Russian doll, you know, yeah. it's all yeah. those people in there. So we could, we could have a session where we focus all on ancestral healing and the ancestors come forth big time. And we're working on something for the whole lineage that is like really, really deep, or we could be working on emotional stuff that needs support and needs to move through. We could be working on thought patterns that have gotten lodged in certain areas of the body and maybe causing some disruptions in how the energy flows in the body. Or it could be a strictly physical session where their physical body needs the attention and they really just need to be nurtured and comforted. And I like to let it go wherever the session needs to go. Well, and 
if you could please share your perspective with your experience for people that, you know, have gotten their hands on your book or know about you or just coming across this podcast around advice on boundaries. You know, that's something that I've talked about and is really important. And I have had experience with healers that have gifts like yours that they can see things and tell me things about myself. And you seem to have really figured out how to have good boundaries around that because in contrast, I've experienced people that probably are sharing beyond what they should. And also maybe I feel invaded because they're, they're, I feel like they're looking into me without my permission and then giving me information I haven't asked for. And it feels almost like a, a game or a trick and And it feels very manipulative. And I've learned what that feels like because in the past I'd get very excited. But I was like, oh my gosh, this person has these psychic gifts and tell me what you see and what you know. And I didn't really understand that people are seeing it from their perspective and I have to have my own filter to take that information and do something with it. How have you been able to manage that when I'm sure you've had people get very excited and want you to totally fix them and tell them and repair this and take care of that. Like, Oh, you've got it. Make it happen for me. And then also knowing how to contain your energy and have that boundary of giving your offering while also maintaining that healthy line. Is there anything you can share around that concept of what to do for someone experiencing someone like you who can see more, or maybe they're having that experience themselves and how to do that in a healthy way? Yes, that is a great question. And oh, I love talking about that because I I liken that to spiritual bad manners, you know, like that's great. (laughs) A lot of people like over the years, you know, when I would, when I would teach a lot of live classes and they're really excited about developing their intuition and and having these abilities, you know, and they're like, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Mm -hmm. And the person might not be ready for that information and it is invasive. Um, I had to learn how to not pick up everything from everybody in an airport or a grocery store. I had to learn how to regulate and manage my own abilities because I only look at people when they are asking me to and when they are in that professional setting with me. But I went here in my career being bombarded, you know, just with way too much information that I didn't know how to deal with. And then seeing people get invaded like that and read when they're not even wanting it and somebody running up to them and being like, oh, this is going on with your heart or, oh, you have this pain here or whatever. And it's just, it's just not respectful. And um, I, I really always taught people you know, give, give the information if you're being asked. And if, and if it's coming in a, a sacred way at the right time. And when I start a session, I ask to be shown what I can help with at that time. What is the highest thing that we could work on at that time? Because that is so beautiful. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to pause on that. Can you share that phrasing again? Because that is so key versus let's just have everything show up. <laughs> yeah, that's just too overwhelming because we're so vast. I mean, we we are our own ecosystem and you can't go changing everything at once, number one, and you're not even supposed to. And I think one of my biggest challenges when I started really getting into doing energy work was wanting to do too many things in one session. 
and I had to learn. And you only, you only learn how to navigate through all this by having the most crazy things happen in sessions and having people on the table with <laughs> like really unexpected um, reactions that, you know, maybe they've never happened before because it's you and this person and the combination of your energies coming together. And that's another thing that's really cool about energy healing. No one else can, can give that session. No one else. Cause it's a combination of these two energies. So what I might be able to activate in someone and they, they can resolve something, they could come see you and it would be totally, totally different. So there's, there's really no, there's no such thing as competition in this kind of work. And that's a great way to describe that because, you know, I, I, like you have that analytical mind that I can remember when I was learning different things and be like, wait, is this woo or is this real? Wait, which one is this? Is this in our, our mind's eye or is this legit? And I remember when I got comfortable with those not having to be separate things that each reality is different for everyone. And you know, that analytical side that might want to say, okay, we're going to get the same person and have three different healers come in and work with them and then report back what you saw and compare, oh, well, that can't be true because you didn't see it. And it's not like that. It's not clear cut. Okay. This is what's going on here. And that's it. It's not like a medical diagnosis, although there is medical intuitive work. I love how you describe that. That's the combination of the two people coming together that then something special comes up to be offered that may not happen with someone else. And then something else completely different happens with another person's hands-on. Yeah. And it's all really useful. And if I had to give some advice to someone who might be in a, in a clinical setting or in a spa setting, if they are tapping into their intuition, if they're, if they're not sure how to handle the information that comes through, because I, I certainly went through that for for many, many years, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? This person just came in and they would just want to massage like their shoulder. Hurt, <laughs> you know? They don't necessarily want to go like into like some deep ancestral trauma, you know, and <laughs> see, I just, I hold that. I, I hold it with so much reverence that I've been given that information. And I, practice refining that discernment that if it opens up, uh, if that client ends up asking me a question, I'll know. I'll, I'll know deep within myself if I'm centered and if I'm, if I'm very grounded and in my body and clear, it will be clear to me in that felt sense of my body, how deeply I share this. If you're even in a setting that's appropriate, if you're working in a setting that's not appropriate, consider it an honor and, and hold that information dear to your heart and just keep it sacred. That's beautiful. And that brings me to something I wanted to ask you about in the book. You talk about in chapter 28 about maintaining authenticity at all costs and keeping the session about the client. I wanted to ask you, how do you, you know, speak to that, whatever you would like to share. And also how do you share your own personal experiences with a client that maybe these are new concepts to? I'm sure that's been, again, an evolved thing, and it's different when you're in your own private practice. But do you have anything you could share with other people that are coming to this more recently on how to 
decide how to share their own personal experience through what they're seeing in the session with the client and also keeping that authentic self? Yeah. Um, man, authenticity is, it's a lot of work. It's very delicate because you can go into that whole too much, you know, sharing too much. Of course, we're not making the session about us. I had that happen a lot. Um, managing massage therapists when I had my spas, like where they would talk about all their problems, their boyfriend problems. And, you know, cause they're, they're getting close to these people. If, if you're having clients that are coming to see you on a regular basis, you can't help it. You will love them and they will love you and they will want to know about your life. And it's, uh, it, it takes a, a great amount of dedication to continue to bring the session focus back to them when they're asking you, when they're asking you all these questions, or when you are going through something that you have to be authentic with them about. So for me, I try to remember that it is important to share with them so that they see that I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to see my healing struggles. They, they need to see my challenges because, hey, we're in this together. We are growing together. And your clients really do grow at the rate that you do, or they outgrow you and they leave you and they, they surpass you. And if their vibration continues to get higher and the the therapist doesn't, they will go somewhere else. And that's fine too. But I share what is appropriate and what might be helpful to them about my experience. And then I continually direct the session back to them. That's great. That's really helpful. Cause I'm sure this is an intimate space that's being shared and people are connecting. And I think that's also, like you said, can be taken out into the world in other ways around that authenticity and also that piece about self-care that you talk about. Can you share um, something about what you mean by a clearing ritual, creating a clearing ritual? Yeah. um, When you're touching people all day long, and like I said, I don't care if you're a hairstylist, uh, a doctor, it doesn't matter. If you're touching people all day long, there needs to be some form of clearing ritual that works for you and makes you feel better at the end of the day. And that is so, the, the sky's the limit. I, I mentioned a lot of them in the book, but a few things that really work for me, and that's what it takes. It takes just trying different things and seeing if you feel good. <laughs> and you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> Like for me, like placing my hands on the ground, on the earth, the grass, the dirt, really giving myself like a, like an energy dump almost of like allowing all that energy that has flown through me and and been taking on by me, like to let that go into the earth. I do that consistently. I will take a few minutes in between each session just to have an intention of draining my hands to the ground through the floor of my office, but it's nothing like at the end of the day or at the half point in the day, whatever, just placing my hands on the ground. So all the office space I've had over the years, you know, there's always like, what's that crazy lady do doing in the little <laughs> tiny bit of grass? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care because if it makes me feel better, that's the thing. Effectiveness is the measure of truth for me about anything. I'm not going to believe in it or do it if it's not effective. And so each person has to find, maybe it's burning a plant and having that smoke of that plant all around their energy field and in their room. I do that. I, I live for salt bath. Um, Mm, yeah, 
they really do something amazing for me and I can feel it. If do you I have go a favorite to- kind of salt that you like to use? I do. It's this magnesium salt at Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, that's the only place that I have found to get that one. And it's, it's incredible, but even, you know, Epsom salts will do. It's, mm-hmm. it's so incredible. The difference between how I feel if I go too many days of seeing a full load of clients and I don't do that. Wow. That's, and it, and it really is one of those things that can make such a difference. And it's not only feels good and is effective, but truly is doing something to ourselves and supporting our system when we do that. And I will say too, along with that, when I'm in the bathtub at the end of the day, I visualize an altar of light and I place each person that I've worked with each set of circumstances and issues and all the things that I care about to have to do with them. I place them on that altar of light and give them back to God at the end of the day. And I release almost like I'm releasing that beautiful thing that we came together and we made together. It's now complete. It's done. And I'm not carrying it around anymore. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. I can feel that. That's really, and it, you found something like you're saying that works for you and your, your heart. And again, that's that same journey of being in touch with ourselves to know what works for us, what resonates with us, what feels like it fits in with where we're at and where we came from. And with the way that we live our lives, it's so easy to jump from one thing to the next and not realize the toll that that might've taken on our bodies, our energy field, our nervous system to stop before going in that busy store if we've just come from like intimately working with someone in session to think how, how open we might be and how vulnerable we might be before we like trudge on into Walmart, you know, and then feel everybody in that store and be worse for the wear. That's so interesting. That reminds me of an experience I had. I lived in New York for 10 years and then moved to North Carolina and very different places to exist. I was, you know, still am in the foothills of the mountains and my field is much more open living in North Carolina than it was in New York. And, you know, you talk to people in the grocery store line. My friends were shocked that lived in New York to hear me talking to the person I'm checking out the cash register with. And I'd been back here for several months and had not been to New York in a long time. And I went into the city and was on the subway and someone stole my phone out of my hand and jumped off the subway. And I remember just being absolutely in shock and then had to go to the police and kind of a ridiculous being with them for hours. And then that sense of like, oh my gosh, this thing that has all of my personal informations on it. And that sense of violation came over me. And once I was clear of all that, I realized, oh my goodness, I lived in New York 10 years and I'd never had anything like that happen. Thank goodness. But I realized that I use different techniques to exist energetically in New York City versus the mountains of North Carolina. And I had not recalibrated when I returned to the city. And that's what happened. I was completely unaware of my environment in a different way that I forgot I had to do being in that kind of space. So I definitely got a lesson in that. Yeah, that's so good. And I just, I, I observe nurses and people all the time, you know, sharing all this energy and interacting. And I'm just like, wow, I wonder how they feel when they don't know how to clear themselves. Because I really think that that's why I feel so good. This many years into a practice that most people do not get to do as long as I 
have done. And I still, I feel great. And I'm like a dinosaur. In the <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, those that don't know her, haven't seen her gorgeous photo. Dinosaur would never come into any lair. She is a youthful, bright, beautiful woman that looks like she just went to massage school probably. So thinking about that and how much you've done and accomplished, and now you've written a book and you have an amazing podcast and putting yourself out there, which I know was probably its own journey. What, what are you thinking about what's next? And not that there has to be something next by any means. You can just enjoy that and celebrate that. But is there anything on the horizon? Oh gosh. Yeah. I have so many things I want to do. Um, I love doing the podcast. I want to do so much more of that. And I keep finding the time to, to really make that great and focus on it. So many books I want to write. Oh gosh. I just want, I want to create a lot of time for that because I really want to do a workbook on ceremony and ritual and keeping things. Speak to that because I find that that is something you have a very special gift in. Ah, I love it so much. And it needs to be more in everyday life in our culture. That's what I feel like. It needs to be accessible and simple. It's um it it feels like it's too far away for most people. It's something that somebody else has to do for them instead of feeling really empowering to do a ritual with your family or your friends around something that's important to you, around a positive change that you're wanting to bring forth, that should be very easily accessible to all people. So I want to do a workbook and I've actually started it. It's, um, it's going to be about bringing things into the sacred that seems scary, empowering ourselves with action, action steps instead of, gee, I wish the world was different. I wish things weren't like they were. I want there to be less fear and more empowerment. And I really think that ritual and ceremony can do that for human beings. That's beautiful. And I look forward to that. And having had the beautiful experience of being in ceremony with you many times, I just, I think the way you'll be able to share that and make it tangible for people is going to be a great gift. And I can't wait. I will be there to cheer you on. And just final thoughts on True Calling on your book. Is there anything you want to share about it that maybe someone reading a review on Amazon or the summary really it doesn't capture or something we didn't cover today? Is there anything you would want to share with people that are thinking about picking it up or want to know more? Yeah, I think the book, even though, of course, like I I have written it for the hands-on healers of the world, there's not many people that couldn't benefit from the meditations, the self-care exercises. Those are for everyone. And a lot of those meditations come from a place where I really wanted to get people into connecting with what is their heart's desire. What do what do they want to do that is fulfilling while they're here so that they can have purpose-driven careers that satisfy their soul? That part of the book is for anyone. And of course, the information on clearing your space or how to take care of your body when you're sharing energy with other people, those are just for everyone to enjoy. That's awesome. And being someone who loves getting to work with you and loves the podcast, I think it'd be so cool if, you know, maybe in some of the ones where I'm not interviewing you in this format, but when you're doing it, as you've been sharing it through your voice, 
if you can share more parts of the book to hear it from your perspective, because I think there's something to be said about the vibration of your voice and you sharing that if there were other parts that you wanted to share in one of your podcasts sometime, I know I'll tune in and hear more, even though I've read it and love it. I'd love to hear it from your, your perspective as well. And maybe some inside stories of how you came to that information would be really cool. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that I do want to do with the podcast is I want to create more of that sacred space, more of that almost like ceremony feeling where anybody joining in with me, it's like we're creating that moment of sacred time together. I really want to hold that container for all the good things that can happen when you put intention and presence into something like that. 